0: section 8 of mr fortunes practice this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by tommy hersant carlsbad california mr fortunes practice by h c bailey the leading lady mr reginald fortune sent his punt along at the rate of knots From the cushions, the chief of the Criminal Investigation Department protested, "'Why this wanton display of skill! Why so strenuous?' "'It's good for the figure, Lomas.' "'Have you a figure?' said Lomas bitterly. "'It is to be confessed that a certain solidity distinguishes Reggie Fortune.' years of service as the scientific adviser of scotland yard have not marred the pink and white of his cherubic face but they have brought weight to a body never svelte mr fortune let the punt drift that's vulgar abuse what's the matter old thing i dislike your horrible competence is there anything you can't do i uh, don't think so said mr fortune modestly jack of all trades and master of none that is why i am a specialist the hon sidney lomis sat up secondly i resent your hurry to get rid of me thirdly as i am going up to london to work and you are going back in this punt to do nothing i should like to annoy you fourthly and lastly i know that i shan't and that embitters me does anything ever annoy you fortune only work only the perverse criminal lomas groaned all criminals are perverse oh i wouldn't say that most crime is a natural product Of course fools are natural, said Loomis irritably. The most natural of all animals, and if there were no fools, I shouldn't spend the summer at Scotland Yard. Well, many criminals are weak in the head. That's why a policeman's life is not a happy one. But most of them are a natural product opportunity makes the thief or what not and there but for the grace of god go i circumstances lead a fellow into temptation yes i've wanted to do murder myself but even with you i have hitherto refrained there's always a kink in the criminal's mind before he goes wrong good gad he dropped his voice did you see her, Mister Fortune? Reproved him. Oh, you're so susceptible, Lomas. Control yourself. Oh, think of my reputation. I am known in these parts. Who is she, Lady Macbeth? My dear fellow. Oh, my dear fellow. I thought you were a student of the drama. She's not tragic. She's comedy and domestic pathos, tea and tears. It was Rose Darkhort. "'Good God!' said Lomas once more. "'She looked like Lady Macbeth after the murder.' Reggie glanced over his shoulder. From the shade of the veranda of the boathouse a white face stared at him. It seemed to become aware of him and fled." "'Indignation, perhaps,' he said. "'It does feel like remorse. "'Or have you been trifling with her affections, Lomas?' "'I wouldn't dare. "'Do you know her? "'She looks a nice young woman for a quiet tea-party, "'passion and poison for two. "'It's the physique, you know.' said Mr. Fortune sadly. When they're long and sinuous and dark, they will be intense. That's the etiquette of the profession, but it's spoiling her comedy. She takes everything in spasms now, and she used to be quite restful. Some silly fool probably told her she was a great actress, Lomas suggested. Mr. Fortune did not answer. He was steering the punt to the bank. As it slid by the rushes, he stooped and picked out of the water a large silk bag. This he put down at Lomis's feet, and saying, "'Who is the owner of this pretty thing?' Once more drove the punt on at the rate of knots. Loomis produced from the bag a powder-puff, three gold hairpins and two handkerchiefs. "'The police have evidence of great importance,' he announced, "'and immediate developments are expected. S. Sheridan is the culprit, Fortune.' "'Sylvia Sheridan?' Reggie laughed. "'You know we're out of a paragraph in a picture-paper.' On the river this weekend, all the stars of the stage were shining. Miss Rose Darkhart was looking like Juliet on the balcony of her charming boathouse, and I saw Miss Sylvia Sheridan's bag floating sweetly downstream. Bags are worn bigger than ever this year. Miss Sheridan has always been famous for her bags, but this was really dinky at the bridge he put lomas into his car and strolled up to leave miss sheraton's bag at the police-station the sergeant was respectfully affable mr fortune is much petted by subordinates and it took some time to reach the bag when ascot and the early peas and the sergeant's daughter's young man had been critically estimated mr fortune said that he was only calling on the lost property department to leave a lady's bag i just picked it out of the river reggie explained Of oh, no value to anybody but the owner seems to belong to miss sylvia sheridan uh, she's a house down here hasn't she uh, you might let her know the sergeant stared at mr fortune and breathed hard what makes you say that sir uh, say what uh, beg pardon sir uh, you'd better see the inspector and the sergeant tumbled out of the room the inspector was flurried mr fortune very glad to see you sir a sort of providential your coming in like this oh, won't you sit down sir this is a queer start uh, uh, we're, um, uh, uh, "'Where might you have found her bag, Mr. Fortune?' Uh, "'About a mile above the bridge,' Reggie opened his eyes. "'Against the reed bank, below Miss Darkcourt's boathouse. Inspector Oxtaby whistled. Shh, "'That's above Miss Sheraton's cottage!' He looked, knowing. Uh, "'Things don't float upstream, Mr. Fortune.' Uh, it's not usual Uh, why does that worry you Uh, Missus sheraton's missing mr fortune i've just had her housekeeper in giving information Uh, miss sheraton went out last night and hasn't been seen since Uh, now you've picked up her bag in the river above her house it's a queer start isn't it but only a start said reggie gently Uh, we're not even sure the bag is hers Uh, the handkerchiefs in it are marked s sheraton but some women have a way of gleaning other women's handkerchiefs Her housekeeper ought to know her bag. Uh, Did her housekeeper know why she went out? Uh, No, sir, that's one of the things that rattled her. Uh, Miss Sheraton went out after dinner alone, walking. Uh, They thought she was in the garden and went to bed. Uh, In the morning she wasn't in the house. Uh, She wasn't in the garden either. And that's that, said Reggie. I better let them know at scotland yard uh, they like work and he rose to go it was plain that he had disappointed inspector toby, who asked rather plaintively if there was anything mr fortune could suggest uh, i should ask her friends you know said mr fortune wandering dreamily to the door uh, i should have a look at her house uh, there may be something in it and and he left the inspector gaping. Reggie Fortune is one of the few people in England who like going to the theatre. The others, as you must have noticed, like this kind of play or that. Mr. Fortune has an impartial and curious mind, and tries everything he had therefore formed opinions of sylvia sheridan and rose d'arcourt which are not commonly held for he was unable to take either of them seriously this hampered him and he calls the case one of his failures on the next morning he came back from bathing at the lasher to hear that the telephone had called him he took his car to scotland yard and was received by superintendent bell that massive man was even heavier than usual you'll not be pleased with me mr fortune he began if you look at me like that i shall cry Uh, two hours ago i was in nice deep bubbly water and you bring me up to this oven of a town and make me think you're a headmaster with a gout and i've been a rude little boy mr loomis said not to trouble you the superintendent mourned but i put it to him you'd not wish to be out of it mr fortune Damn it, Bell, don't appeal to my better nature. That's infuriating. It's this Sheraton case, sir. Miss Sheraton's vanished. Oh, well, I haven't run away with her. She smiles too much. I couldn't bear it. Oh, she's gone, sir, Bell said heavily. Uh, she was to have signed her contract as a leading lady in mr mark woodcote's new play Uh, that was yesterday she didn't come Uh, they had no word from her and yesterday her servants gave information she had disappeared i know i was there Uh, so she hasn't turned up yet "'No, sir, and Mr. Lomas and you, you found her bag in the river. Uh, That was her bag.' "'Well, well,' said Reggie, "'and what's the Criminal Investigation Department going to do about it?' "'Where's she gone, Mr. Fortune?' "'She didn't take her car.' she's not been seen at stanton station she's not at her flat in town she's not with any of her friends the world is wide reggie murmured and the river's pretty deep mr fortune at this point lomas came in he beamed upon them both he patted bell's large shoulder he came to reggie fortune my dear fellow, here already. Duty, stern daughter of the voice of God. What? How noble and how good for you. Reggie looked from his jauntiness to the gloom of a bell. Tragedy and comedy aren't you, he said. And very well done, too. But it's a little confusing to this scientific mind. Well what do you make of it Lomas dropped into a chair and lit a cigarette bell's out for blood an actress's tragedy mystery of the thames murder or suicide that sort of thing but it seems to me it has all the engaging air of an advertisement only it isn't advertised sir said bell twenty-four hours and more since she was reported missing and not a word in the papers yet Uh, that don't look like a stunt it looks more like somebody was keeping things quiet yes yes you take that trick bell reggie nodded uh, who is this remarkable manager that don't tell all the newspapers when his leading lady's missing mr montgomery eagle sir mm, but he runs straight said reggie oh lord yes <laughs> lomas laughed oh, quite a good fellow a bell is so melodramatic in the hot weather i don't think eagle is pulling my leg i suspect it's the lady who is out for a little free advertisement to be reported missing that is a sure card on the placards in the headlines unlimited space in all the papers wait and see bell the delay means nothing she couldn't tell her press agent to send in news of her disappearance it wouldn't be artistic superintendent bell looked at him compassionately and i'm sure i hope you're right sir he said but it don't look that way to me if she wanted to disappear for a joke why did she go and do it like this these young ladies on the stage, they value their comforts. She goes off walking at night with nothing but what she stood up in. If you ask me to believe she meant to do the vanishing act when she went out of her house, I can't see how it's likely. Uh, strictly speaking, said Reggie, uh, nothing's likely why did she go out bell to keep an appointment with her murderer i don't see my way sir i own it but there's her garden goes down to the river i suppose she just tumbled into the water Uh, she might be there now the bag said reggie dreamily the bag bell it didn't float up-stream and yet we found it above her garden she couldn't have been walking along the bank the towpath is on the other side the bag came into the river from a boat or from the grounds of another house Lomas laughed. (laughs) My dear fortune, I like your earnest simplicity. It's a new side to your character and full of charm. I quite agree. The bag is interesting. I think it's conclusive. A neat and pretty touch. The little lady threw it into the river to give her disappearance glamour. Rather well thrown, said Reggie. Say a quarter of a mile. Hefty damsel! Oh, my dear fellow, she may have taken a boat, she may have crossed and walked up the tow-path, uh, just to get her bag into the river above her house. Hmm. Uh, why would she want to put it in above her house? She couldn't be sure that it would stay there. It might have sunk. and might have drifted a mile farther, Loomis shrugged. Well, as you say— "'But we don't know that the bag was lost that night at all. "'She may have dropped it out of a boat any time and anywhere.' Uh, "'Yes, Uh, but plenty of boats go up and down that reach, "'and we found it bright and early the morning after she vanished. Uh, "'Why didn't anybody else find it before? "'I rather fancy it wasn't there, Loomis.' "'What's your theory, Mr. Fortune?' said Bell eagerly. My dear fellow, (laughs) oh, my dear fellow, I don't know the lady. They say she's a sportive maiden, Lomas smiled. I'll wager you'll have a run for your money, Bell. Reggie Fortune considered him severely. I don't think it's a race to bet on Lomas, old thing. It was about this time that Mr. Montgomery Eagle's name was brought in. "'Will you see him, Mr. Lomis? Bell said anxiously. "'Oh, Lord, no, I've something else to do. Make him talk, that's all you want.' The superintendent turned a bovine but pathetic gaze at Reggie. "'I think so,' said Mr. Fortune. "'There are points, Bell.' Superintendent Bell arranged himself at the table, a large, solemn creature born to inspire confidence. Mr. Fortune dragged an easy chair to the window and sat on the small of his back, and thus disposed, might have been taken for an undergraduate weary of the world. Mr. Montgomery Eagle brought another man with him. They both exhibited signs of uneasiness mr eagle whose physical charms manner and dress suggest a butler off duty wrung his hands and asked if the superintendent had any news the superintendent asked mr eagle to sit down Uh, thank you Uh, 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 you are very good Uh, may i uh, this is mr woodcote the uh, author of the play miss sheraton was to uh, the uh, uh, play i uh, 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 hope to uh, uh, very anxious to know if you naturally said the superintendent pleased to meet you mr woodcote the dramatist smiled nervously he was still young enough to show an awkward simplicity of manner but his pleasant dark face had signs of energy and some ability we're rather interested in your case now what have you got to tell us Uh, uh, i said woodcote well i hoped you were going to tell us something we've heard nothing at all Said Eagle. Absolutely nothing. It's very distressing. A serious matter for us. A whole production held up. This poor lady. Most distressing. Oh, quite, quite, Reggie murmured from his chair, and the two stared at him the fact is said superintendent bell heavily we can find no one who has seen miss sheridan since she left her house we're where we were yesterday gentlemen are you oh, absolutely said eagle first question uh, did she leave her house reggie murmured "A uh, second question why did she leave her house he sat up with a jerk i wonder uh, do you know anything about that eagle gaped at him did she leave her house woodcote cried oh, that's not doubtful is it she's not there well i like to begin at the beginning said reggie gently the local men have been over the house mr fortune bell stared at him i suppose they wouldn't overlook her <laughs> woodcote laughed a second question why did she leave it you see uh, we don't know the lady and i suppose you do uh, had she any friends who were intimate uh, what are you suggesting woodcote cried i don't know do you is there any one she liked or any one she didn't like i must say eagle was emphatic in jerks never heard a word said er against miss cherriton er very highest reputation Uh, if you have any suspicions let's have it out sir woodcote cried my dear fellow oh my dear fellow reggie protested it's the case is suspicious not me the primary hypothesis is that something made miss sheridan vanish i'm asking you what it was the manager looked at the dramatist the dramatist looked at mr fortune what is it you suspect then he said what does take a lady out alone after dinner said reggie i wonder "'We don't know that she went out of the garden, sir,' Bell admonished him. Reggie lit a cigar. "'Think there was a murderer waiting in the garden?' he said as he puffed. "Uh, "'Think she was feeling suicidal?' "'Well, it's always possible.' "'Oh, good God!' said Eagle. "'You're rather brutal, sir,' Woodcote grew pale." Oh, you don't like those ideas well uh, what's yours they were silent has it ever occurred to you somebody might have annoyed miss sheridan mr montgomery eagle became of a crimson colour yes think it over said reggie cheerfully if there was somebody she wanted to take it out of <laughs> he smiled in blue smoke-rings i don't know what you mean Woodcote stared at him. Oh, really? Uh, it's quite simple. Had anything happened lately to make Miss Sheraton annoyed with anybody? i'm bound to say sir eagle broke out there was a a a question about her part Uh, she was to play lead in mr woodcote's new comedy well uh, uh, i I can't deny uh, uh, miss darcourt's been with me before Uh, miss darcourt she was well i I had her uh, representations from her the part ought to be hers I, uh, i'm afraid miss sheridan did come to hear of this rose darkourt couldn't play it said the author fiercely she couldn't touch it uh, no no i don't suggest she could uh, not at all uh, but it was an unpleasant situation uh, miss sheridan was annoyed miss sheraton was annoyed with miss darkourt and miss darkourt was annoyed with miss sheraton hmm. and miss sheraton goes out alone at night by the river and in the river we find her bag hmm. that's the case then well well uh, do you mean that rose Darcourt murdered her woodcote frowned at him my dear fellow you are in such a hurry i mean that i could bear to know a little more about miss Darcourt's emotions do you think you could find out if she still wants to play this great part she may want said woodcote bitterly she can go on wanting uh, in point of fact, uh, said eagle i er i had a letter this morning uh, she tells me er uh, uh, she wouldn't consider acting in er uh, in mr woodcote's play uh, she er says um, I misunderstood her she uh, never uh, thought of it er uh, uh, doesn't care for Mr. Woodcote's work Mr. Woodcote flushed that does worry me. Said he, and uh, that's that. Reggie stood up. Whereon uh, Superintendent Bell, with careful official assurances, got rid of them. They seemed surprised. That's done it, sir, said Bell. Reggie did not answer. He was cooing to a pigeon on the window sill. You've got it out of them. We'll be looking after this Rose Darkhart. they don't like her do they reggie murmured well well they do enjoy their little emotions (laughs) he laughed suddenly let's tell Lomas. that sprightly man was reading an evening paper he flung it at bell's head there you are six-inch headlines famous actress vanishes and now i hope we shan't be long i wonder how she'll manage her resurrection she was kidnapped by a bolshevik submarine a u-boat in boulter's lock Oh, that would be a good stunt and rescued by an aeroplane oh, she might come down on the course at ascot uh, he can't take her seriously belle said reggie it's the other one who has his heart whoever loved that loved not at first sight she captured him at a glance. Bell was shocked and bewildered. What the deuce do you mean? said Lomas. A uh, lady Macbeth by the river. Uh, you know how she fascinated you. Rose d'arcourt Lomas cried. Good gad! the morning after sylvia sheraton vanished rose darcourt was looking on well by the river and sylvia sheraton's bag was found in the river just below rose darcourt's house now the manager and the playwright tell us rose has been trying to get the part which was earmarked for sylvia and sylvia was cross about it Hmm. since sylvia vanished rose has pitched in a letter to say she wouldn't look at the part or the play Um, consider your verdict there it is sir and an ugly business said bell with a certain satisfaction these stage folk they're not wholesome (laughs) my dear old bell (laughs) Reggie chuckled. "'Good gad!' said Lomas, and burst out laughing. (laughs) "'But it's preposterous! It's a novelette! The two leading ladies quarrel, and they meet by moonlight alone on the banks of the murmuring stream, and pull caps, and what happened next? Did Rose pitch Sylvia into the dark and deadly water, or Sylvia commit suicide in her anguish?' "'Damn, Bell, you'd better make a film of it!' "'I don't know what you make of it, sir,' said Bell, with stolid indignation, "'but I've advised the local people to drag the river, "'and I suggest it's time we had a man or two looking after this Miss Darcourt. "'Good gad!' said Lomas again and what do you suggest fortune do you want to arrest her and put her on the rack or will it be enough to examine her body for sylvia's finger-prints if we are to make fools of ourselves let's do it handsomely it seems to me we look fools enough as it is bell growled this is a very painful scene "'Reggie said gently. "'Your little hands were never made to scratch each other's eyes.' "'What do you want to do?' "'Lomas turned on him. "'Well, it's not much in my way. "'I like a corpse, and you haven't a corpse for me. "'And I don't feel that I know these good people. "'They seem muddled to me. "'It's all muddled.' i fancy they don't know where they are Hmm. and there's something we haven't got lomas old thing i should look about i'm going to look about said lomas with decision but i'm going to look for sylvia sheraton's friends not her wicked rivals i resent being used as an actress's advertisement reggie shook his head you will be so respectable lomas my child it hampers you well go and drag the river said lomas with a shrug and see who finds her first mr fortune who has a gentle nature does not like people to be cross to him this was his defence when lomas subsequently complained of his independent action he went to lunch and afterwards returned to his house by the river. Swain in a hammock under the syringa, he considered the Sheraton case without prejudice, and drowsily came to the conclusion that he believed in nothing and nobody. He was not satisfied with the bag. He was not satisfied with the pallid woe of Rose Darkort. He was not satisfied with the manager and the playwright. He was by no means satisfied with the flippancy of Lomas and the grim zeal of Bell. It appeared to him that all were unreasonable. He worked upon his memories of Rose Darcourt and Sylvia Sheridan, and found no help therein. The two ladies, though competent upon the stage and at times agreeable, were to him commonplace. And whatever the case was. "'It was not that. "'He could not relate to them to the floating bag "'and the story of jealousy and the disappearance. "'The thing's all out of joint,' he sighed. "'And I don't think the airy lomas or the gloomy bell "'is the man to put it right. "'Why will people have theories? "'And at their time of life, too. Hmm. "'It's not a decent he rang in his immoral garden you can ring from the pergola and ring from the hammocks and the lawn for his chauffeur and factotum sam mr samuel smith was born a small and perky cockney he is according to reggie a middle-class chauffeur but otherwise a lad of parts having a peculiarly neat hand with photography and wine, but a capacity for being all things to all men was what first recommended him. "Uh, "'Sam,' said Mr. Fortune, "Uh, "'do you go much into society?' "'Meaning the locals, sir?' "Uh, "'That was the idea.' "'Well, sir, they're not brainy. "'Too much of the Nouveau Riche, It's a hard world, Sam. I want to know about Miss Darcourt's servants. I wouldn't mind knowing about Miss Sheraton's servants. They ought to be talking things over. Somebody may be saying something interesting, or doing something. I've got it, sir. Can do. Mr. Fortune sighed happily, and went to sleep for the next few days he was occupied with a number of new roses which chose to come into flower together it was reported among his servants that mr fortune sat by these bushes and held their hands and meanwhile the papers gave much space to miss sylvia sheraton describing in vivid detail how the river was being dragged for her and how her corpse had been discovered at bradford and how she had been arrested while bathing a mixed at Ilfracombe and seen on a flapper's bracket in Hampstead. Mr. Fortune, engaged upon a minute comparison of the shades of tawny red in five different but exquisite roses, was disturbed by Superintendent Bell. He looked up at that square and gloomy visage and shook his head. "'You disturb me. I have my own troubles, Belle. Darlings, aren't they?' He made a caressing gesture over his roses. "'But I can't make up my mind which is the one I really love. Uh, "'Go away, Belle. Your complexion annoys them.' "'We haven't found her, sir,' said Belle heavily. "'She's not in the river.' Reggie dropped into a long chair, and, watching him with dreamy eyes, filled a pipe. Bell glowered. "'I thought you were going to say I told you so.' Reggie smiled. "'I don't remember that I told you anything.' "'That's about the size of it, sir,' Bell reproached him well i thought it was possible the body was in the river but not probable nothing's probable that i can see roses are a bit simpler aren't they sir simpler reggie cried you're no gardener you should take it up bell it develops the finer feelings now don't be cross again i can't bear it I haven't forgotten your horrible case. Nothing's probable, as you say. But one or two things are certain all the same. Sylvia Sheridan's servants have nothing up their sleeves. They're as lost as you are. They are being quite natural. But Rose Darkort has a chauffeur who interests me he is a convivial animal and his pub is the dog and duck but he hasn't been at the dog and duck since sylvia vanished the dog and duck is surprised at him also he has been hanging about sylvia's house he has suddenly begun an affair with her parlour-maid he seems to have a deuce of a lot of time on his hands rose d'arcourt doesn't show she's reported ill and the reputation of the chauffeur is that he's always been very free and easy with his mistress bell grunted and meditated and reggie pushed a cigar-case across to help his meditations well sir it sounds queer as you put it but it might be explained easy and that's what mr lomas says about the whole case maybe he's right the thought plunged the superintendent into deeper gloom what a horrible idea said reggie my dear fellow don't be so despondent i've been waiting for you to take me to the parlour-maid i want a chaperon inspector Oxtaby in plain clothes superintendent bell in clothes still plainer and mr fortune in flannels conducted an examination of that frightened damsel who was by turns impudent and plaintive till soothed by mr fortune's benignity it then emerged that she was not walking out with mr loveday the chauffeur "'and nothing of the kind. "'Only Mr. Loveday had been attentive. "'And very natural, too,' Reggie murmured. "'But why has he only just begun? "'The parlour-maid was startled. "'They had had a many fellows around the house "'since Mistress went off,' she smiled. "'It was implied that others besides the chauffeur "'had remarked her charms.' and uh, mr loveday never came before Uh, does he ask after your mistress Uh, well of course he always wants to know if she's been heard of it's only civil sir she stopped and stared at reggie Uh, i suppose he does talk a deal about the mistress she said slowly Uh, when he ought to be talking about you reggie murmured the parlour-maid looked frightened. Oh, but it's as if he was always expecting uh, some news of her, she protested. Oh, is it, said Inspector Oxtoby, and Reggie frowned at him. "Uh, Yes, it is, she said. I don't care what you say. And a good mistress she was. She began to weep again, and was incoherent. "'I'm sure she was,' Reggie said. "'And you're fond of her. "'That's why we're here, you know. "'You want to help her, don't you? Uh, "'When was Mr. Loveday going to meet you again?' "'Through sobs it was stated that Mr. Loveday had said "'he would be by the little gate at his usual time that night. "'Well, I don't want you to see him, Gladys.' "'said Reggie gently. "'You're to stay indoors like a good girl. "'Don't say anything to anybody, and you'll be all right.' On that they left her, and Reggie, taking Belle's arm as they crossed to the garden, murmured, "'I like Gladys. She's a pleasant shape. "'This job's opening out, Belle, isn't it?' "'It beats me,' said Belle. "'What's the fellow after?' he knows something said oxby and he's not quite sure what he knows said reggie well well an early dinner is indicated it's a hard world i'll come and dine with me that night as it grew dark the chauffeur stood by the little gate of sylvia sheridan's garden an object of interest to three men behind a laurel hedge he waited some time in vain. He lit a cigarette, and exhibited for a moment a large, flat face. He waited longer, opened the gate, and approached the back of the house. "'Better take him now,' said Reggie, loitering with intent. "'I'll go down to the station.' Inspector Oxtaby, with Bell in support, closed upon the man in the kitchen garden in the little office at stanton police station albert edward loveday was charged with loitering about miss sheridan's house with intent to commit a felony he was loudly indignant protesting that he had only gone to see his girl he was told that he could say all that to the magistrates and was removed still noisy mr fortune came out of the shadow "'I don't take to Albert Edward,' he said. "'I fear he's a bit of a bully.' "'Bell nodded. "'That's his measure, sir. "'A chap generally shows what he's made of "'when you get him in the charge-room. "'I never could understand that. "'You'd think any fellow with a head on him "'would take care to hide what sort he is here.' but they don't seem as if they could help themselves most of the fellows you get in the charge-room haven't heads i doubt if albert edward has he looks as if he hadn't thought things out inspector oxby came back in a hurry my oath mr fortune you've put us on the right man he said look what the beggar had on him it was a small gold cigarette case it bore the monogram s s and inside was engraved sylvia from bingo that's done him in said bell any explanation Uh, he wouldn't say a word barring that he cursed freely Uh, no uh, mr albert edward loveday wants to see his solicitor he knows something "'Yes, yes, I wonder what it is,' Reggie murmured. "'He had some pawn tickets for jewelry, too. uh, Pretty heavy stuff. Uh, We'll have to follow that up. And a hundred and fifty quid. Some clean notes, some deuced dirty.' Bell laughed grimly. (laughs) "'He's done himself proud, hasn't he?' Uh, "'Some clean, some dirty.' "'Reggie repeated. "'He's got the dirty ones from the pawnbroker. "'Where did he get the clean ones? "'Still, several unknown quantities in the equation.' Uh, "'How's that, sir?' said Inspector Oxtaby. "'Well, uh, there's the body, for instance,' said Reggie mildly. "'We lack the body. Uh, "'You know, I think we might ask Miss Darcourt to say a few words.' Send a man up in a car to tell her she's wanted at the police station, uh, because her chauffeur has been arrested. I should think she'll come. That's the stuff Inspector Oxby chuckled and set about it. You always had a notion she knew something, sir said Bell reverently. I wonder, Reggie murmured, she did come the little room seemed suddenly crowded so large was the gold pattern on her black cloak so complex her sinuous movements as she glided in and sat down she smiled at them and certainly she had been handsome from a white face dark eyes glittered very big eyes all pupil oh my aunt said reggie to himself drugged. Uh, Miss Rose Darkhart. Inspector Oxtaby's pen scratched. Thank you, madam. Your chauffeur, Albert Edward Loveday, uh, uh, that's right, uh, uh, has been arrested loitering about Miss Sheridan's house. He was found in possession of Miss Sheridan's gold cigarette case. Uh, can you explain that? i why should i explain it i know nothing about it uh, the man is in your service Ah, uh, yes and he is a very good chauffeur what then why should you arrest him she talked very fast i don't understand it at all i don't understand what you want me to say only the truth uh said reggie gently out of the shadow Uh, what do you mean by the truth i know nothing about what he had i can't imagine i I can't conceive her voice went up high how he could have miss sheridan's cigarette case if he really had oh uh, he had it all right "'said Inspector Oxdeby. "'Well, then, perhaps she gave it to him?' (laughs) "'She laughed so suddenly "'that the men looked at each other. "'Haven't you asked him? "'What did he say? "'I know nothing about Miss Sheridan.' Uh, "'You can tell us nothing?' said Reggie. "'What should I tell you?' she cried. "'There was silence, "'but for the scratching of the inspector's pen. "'Very good, madam.' He said uh, you have no explanation uh, i had better tell you the case will go into court uh, uh, thank you for coming uh, would you like to have the car back what has Loveday said she leaned forward uh, he's asked for his solicitor madam that's all what is the charge then the inspector smiled that's as may be madam uh, can i see him uh, not alone i'm afraid madam said bell what she cried what do you mean uh the car'll take you back ma'am she stared at him a long minute the car she started up i don't need your car i'll not have it (laughs) i can go can't i she laughed bell opened the door phew he puffed as he closed it she looked murder didn't she a nice young woman for a quiet tea-party reggie murmured i wonder i wonder i think i'll use that car as it drew out upon the bridge he saw the tall shape of miss darcourt ahead she was going slowly she stopped she glanced behind her at the lights of the car she climbed the parapet and was gone oh damn Said Mr. Fortune, Stop the bus. He sprang up, looked down for a moment at the foam in the eddies, and dived after her some minutes afterwards. He arrived at the bank with Miss Darcourt in tow, and waddled out, dragging her after him without delicacy and swearing in gasps. She was in no case to protest; she did not hear. Mr. Fortune rolled her over and knelt beside her what'll i do sir can't i do something cried the chauffeur police station reggie panted bring down the inspector or the superintendent quick damn quick and he wrought with miss Darcourt's body he looked up at the large shape of superintendent bell suicide sir attempted suicide she'll do i think wrap her in every damn thing you've got and take her to hospital quick i know this game sir bell said and stooped and gathered the woman up you run along home run said reggie my only aunt in the morning when he rang for his letters a superintendent bell called sir said the maid about eight it was he said i wasn't to waken you he only wanted to tell you she was going on all right and there's a message "'by telephone from Mr. Lomas. Uh, "'He says you should be at Paddington by twelve. "'Carr will meet you, very urgent, "'and to tell you he has the body.' "'Oh, my Lord,' said Reggie. "'He sprang out of bed. "'Superintendent Bell was rung up, "'and told to commit himself to nothing "'over Albert Edward Loveday and his mistress.' "'Remanded for inquiries. "Ah, "'That'll do for him, sir,' said Bell's voice. "'And she can wait. "'Hope you're all right, Mr. Fortune.' "'I'm suffering from shock, Bell. "'Mr. Lomas is shocking me. "'He's begun to sit up and take notice.' "'Inadequately fed and melancholy, "'Mr. Fortune was borne into Paddington "'by a quarter past twelve he there beheld lomas sitting in lomas's car and regarding him with a satirical eye mr fortune entered the car in dignity and silence my dear fellow i hate to disappoint you lomas smiled you've done wonderfully well arrested a chauffeur uh, driven a lady to suicide admirable it is really your masterpiece Uh, art for art's sake in the grand style Uh, you must find it horribly disappointing to act with a dull fellow like me i do said mr fortune lomas chuckled (laughs) i know i know i can't help seeing it and really i hate to spoil your work but the plain fact is i've got the body well well said Mr. Fortune. And, unfortunately, I really do sympathize with you. Um, it isn't dead. Oh, when did I say it was, said Mr. Fortune. I said you hadn't a corpse for me, and you haven't got one now. I said it was all mottled, and so it is a damn muddle. Uh, don't you want to know why the fair Sylvia left home? yes uh, do you know lomas yeah, she's gone off with a man my dear fellow lomas laughed well well said reggie mildly and that's why the darcourt's chauffeur had her cigarette case in his pocket and that's why the darcourt jumped into the river when we asked her to explain oh, you make it all so clear lomas a theft i suppose and fright lummis shrugged but we'll ask sylvia "Uh, where is she i had information of someone like her from a little place in the wilds of suffolk i sent a fellow down and he has no doubt it's the lady Uh, she's been living there since she vanished with a man Uh, what man Uh, not identified smith by name "'said Lomas curtly. "'You'd better ask her yourself, Fortune.' Uh, "'Yes, there's quite a lot of things I'd like to ask her,' "'said Reggie, and conversation languished. "'Even the elaborate lunch which Reggie insisted on eating in Gloucester "'did not revive him, for Lomas was fretful at the delay. "'So at last, with Reggie somnolent and Lomas feverish, the car drew up at the ancient inn in the village of bolden a young fellow who was drinking ginger-beer in the porch looked up and came to meet them she's done a bunk sir he said in a low voice she and her man smith went off half an hour ago Oh, some luggage in the car took the london road my poor lomas reggie chuckled damn We must have passed them on the road, Lomas cried. Any idea why she went, Blakiston? No, sir. The man went into Ipswich in their car this morning. Soon after he came back. They bolted together. I couldn't do anything, you know, sir. You're sure Mrs. Smith is Miss Sheraton? I'd swear to her, sir. It's damned awkward, Lomas frowned sorry fortune we'd better be off back i want my tea said reggie firmly and got out and vainly lomas followed to protest that after the gloucester lunch he could want no more to eat for twenty-four hours he was already negotiating for cream if it hadn't been for your confounded lunch we should have caught her lomas grumbled now she's off into the blue again Reggie fell into the window-seat, and took up the local paper. "'And uh, where is he that knows?' he murmured. "'From the great deep to the great deep she goes. "'But why? Assumin uh, for the sake of argument, that she is our leading lady, "'why does she make this hurried exit?' "'How the devil should I know?' Reggie smiled at him over the top of the papers. "'This is a very interesting journal,' he remarked. "'Do you know what it is, Loomis? "'It's the Ipswich Evening Paper with the 2.30 winner. Uh, "'Were you backing anything? Uh, no? <laughs> "'Well, well uh, not a race for a careful man. "'I read also that Miss Darkcourt's chauffeur— was brought up before the stanton magistrates this morning and miss Darcourt jumped into the river last night it makes quite a lot of headlines the press is a great power lomas lomas damned the press you're so old-fashioned reggie said sadly my child don't you see mr smith went to Ipswich, Mr. Smith read the early evening paper and hustled back to tell Mrs. Smith. And Mrs. Smith felt that duty called her. Assuming that Mrs. Smith is our Sylvia, where would it call her? Back to Stanton, to clear up the mess. I suppose so, said Lomas drearily. "'She can go to the devil for me.' "'Oh, my dear chap, you do want your tea,' said Reggie. Then Lomas swore. It was late that night when a dusty car driven by Mr. Fortune approached the lights of Stanton. Mr. Fortune turned away from the bridge down a leafy byway and drew up with a jerk. Another car was standing by miss Sheridan's gate the man in it turned to stare reggie was already at his side a mr smith i presume he said who the devil are you said a voice that seemed to him familiar the night was then rent by a scream which resolved itself into a cry of thieves help help police it came from the house reggie made for the door and banged upon it it was opened by an oldish woman in disarray we've got burglars she cried come in sir come in rather said mr fortune where are they on the stairs, sir i hit him i know i hit one it gave me such a turn reggie ran upstairs the light was on in the hall but on the landing in the shadow he stumbled over something soft he ran his hand along the wall for a switch and found it. What he saw was Sylvia Sheraton lying with blood upon her face. Oh, it's all right. You've only knocked out your mistress, he called over the stairs. Oh, my God, the housekeeper gasped. The poker on her poor head. Oh, sir, she's not dead, is she? Oh, not a bit. Now come along. Uh, where's her room? Reggie picked her up the man from the car was at his elbow thank you i'll do that he said why it's mr woodcote fancy that reggie smiled oh, but why should the dramatist carry the leading lady i'm her husband said mr woodcote fiercely any objection mr fortune oh no mr smith i beg pardon mr woodcote uh, but you'll want me you know If it's only to sew her up, he bore the lady off to her bedroom. The case ended as it began, with a morning voyage in a punt. Lomas brought that craft in to the landing stage, and embarked Reggie, who laid himself down on the cushions elaborately, and sighed. My dear fellow, I know you are always a lady's man, Lomas remonstrated, but you're overdoing it. You're enfeebled. You wilt, Reggie moaned gently. I know it. I feel like a curate, Lomas. They coo over me. It's weakening to the intellect rose holds my hand and tells me she's sorry she was so naughty and sylvia looks tenderly from her unbandaged eye and says she'll never do it again have you got anything rational out of them i have it all it's quite simple sylvia heard that rose was trying to do her out of the part she was pained she went round in a hurry to talk to rose IN THE GARDEN SHE SAW ALBERT EDWARD THE CHAUFFEUR, WHO TOLD HER THAT ROSE WAS ON THE BOATHOUSE BALCONY, HER FAVOURITE PLACE ON A FINE EVENING. SYLVIA WENT THERE STRAIGHT, HENCE NONE OF THE SERVANTS BUT ALBERT EDWARD KNEW THAT SYLVIA HAD CALLED THAT NIGHT. SYLVIA AND ROSE HAD WORDS. SYLVIA SAYS SHE OFFERED ROSE QUITE A GOOD MINOR PART. Rose, says Sylvia, insulted her. Uh, I fear that Rose tried to slap her face. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, Sylvia tumbled down the boathouse steps, and there was a splash. Rose heard it and thought Sylvia had gone in, and was delighted. Albert Edward heard it, as he had heard the row, and thought something could be done about it but he saw Sylvia rush off, rather draggled around the skirts, and knew she wasn't drowned. Rose didn't take the trouble to see Sylvia scramble out. Uh, She was too happy. Sylvia was annoyed, but she was an ingenious mind. It occurred to her that if she did a disappearance, rose would get the wind up badly and it would be a howling advertisement for miss sylvia sheridan and woodcote's new play yes lomas dear you were quite right only bell was too sylvia scurried off to london and let herself into her flat and telephoned to woodcote and told him all about it He was badly gone on Sylvia before. He gave way to his emotions, and those two geese arranged their elopement that night. She went off at break of day, and he got a special license. Meanwhile Albert Edward was getting busy. He collected the cigarette case from the boathouse first thing in the morning. HE FOUND OUT SYLVIA HADN'T GONE HOME, AND HE STARTED BLACKMAILING ROSE. THAT WAS WHY WE SAW HER LOOKING DESPERATE. SHE GOT MORE AND MORE FUNKY. Uh, SHE PAID THAT BRIGHT LAD ALL of THE MONEY SHE COULD SPARE, uh, THE CLEAN NOTES, AND MOST OF HER JEWELRY, THE PAWN TICKETS the only thing that worried albert edward was when sylvia would turn up again hence that interest in the parlour-maid which gave him away poor rose tried to drown her sorrows in morphia and when she found albert edward was in the cells she wanted to go under quiet and quick i have a mild manly longing to smack sylvia said lomas well well the housekeeper did that <laughs> with a poker reggie murmured life is quite just to the wicked but wearying to the virtuous i am much worn lomas i want my lunch end of section 8 recording by tommy horsett carlsbad california